Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host, and with me today is none other than stupendous, magnificent, mega mind of sports himself, the Sports Blitz Pod, or rather Sports Blitz Pod, Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing really good, Mark. How about you? I am cooking, brother. This season is just starting. <laughs> uh, I mean, all the prognosticators have been saying, what's going to happen with MLB 2021? What's this season going to look like? Oh my gosh, the Yankees are losing. What's going to happen for the rest of the season? Let's fire everybody. Okay, settle down, everybody. It's The season is just starting. You've been saying this for a couple of weeks, and I had to agree with you, but <laughs> it's it's interesting nonetheless, because there's a lot of exciting things happening. I mean, Today, we got some great topics. What are we looking at here today? Oh, it's a day of juniors. We'll talk about what, Acuna Jr. We'll talk about Vlad Jr. And who else? Thought we had another junior. <laughs> Bo Bichette's a junior, Bo I Bichette's a junior. Oh, no, he's not a junior. His dad is Dante. Never okay, mind. but we got Tatis Jr. So there's three juniors and a son of a, a player. So we, we're looking at a lot of juniors today. There's juniors going on. We'll be talking about recent Kevin Kiermaier. Leading the team off with the race of the night. And we'll be, of course, addressing once again Trevor Barr and Tatis Jr., Otani and Babe Ruth, and the mighty Mad Bum himself, Madison Bumgarner. So, guys, we got a lot of good things going here today. Brandon, lead us off. What's going on here? I know you've, uh, you had a story here about a high school. Yeah, and I figured we'll. Start off the show with some good news, you know, get off to a positive start. So on March 26th, a tornado hit Noonan High School and destroyed their baseball field. And they didn't get to play a home game for the rest of the year. And on Wednesday, the Braves invited them to Truist Park so they can celebrate their senior night. And I saw that on the Braves Instagram and you can, you can go check it out there. So that was really nice to see because senior night is actually a really big deal. My sister just had her senior night a couple months ago, so that's always something cool. Well, you know, and it's important because we we build our lives in a community, and we talk about baseball being part of the community. So it's really encouraging to see the Braves stepping up and helping you know the students with that. That is, and going up to Boston, Bo Bichette he hit a home run that landed in front of a building on Lansdowne Street that was home to a gym back in the nineties. And you may think, well, that doesn't really matter. Home runs land over there on that street all the time. But there was something special about this gym. As when the Brewers were in town back in the 90s, Dante Bichette went there in the morning, and he was the first one in. And he met a woman there named Mariana, who was there for her first day of work. And when he left, he left her and her manager tickets to the game that night. And after the game, they eventually met up after a bar. And I guess, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> so Boba Shett landed where his mom and dad first met. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like that. You know, not I, many people can say that. Now, and, and he's he's an exciting Blue Jay to watch. And I I believe I was there for his first home run, and I believe it was a raise uh, at, at the Trop. If it wasn't his first home run, it was his first hit. And his father was there in the stands. It was exciting for him. I'm always glad to see families and the evolution of players. But we're talking about a lot about juniors. And here we're talking about the Blue Jays. Is that the Dunedin Blue Jays, Buffalo Blue Jays, or the Toronto Blue Jays? But they, they, 
I don't know. If they keep going the way they're doing, we could call them the best baseball team in Tampa Bay, <laughs> just like we did the best team in New York last year. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah that, that, that could very <laughs> well be. Any other news from our friends in the Blue Jays camp? Yeah, sticking with the Blue Jays and also talking about family legacies, Vlad Jr. He hit three home runs and seven RBIs last night, or, well, Tuesday night. It was last night for us right now. And he now has more three home run games than his dad. Junior has one, and Senior has none. And he's also the youngest player ever to hit a three homer game. And I saw that on ESPN's Get Up this morning. And Mark, you had a fun fact about Senior. He actually faced off against Scherzer about 10 years ago, didn't he? Yeah, so that's, it's kind of crazy. You know, I mean, it wasn't to the day or something of that nature, but Vlad Jr. No, no, it was, wasn't it? I think it was to the day. Vlad Jr. hit three home runs, and one of those was placed uh, right about where his dad did, both against Scherzer. I take that back. It wasn't the same exact day, but it was, uh, you know, something where they both had taken on Scherzer. So that that was very interesting. Vlad Jr. is amazing to watch anyway. Yeah, he's a ton of fun, and I think you were thinking of Tatis, because didn't he hit he hit two home runs on the anniversary of his dad hitting two grand slams in one inning against the Dodgers? Is that what you were thinking of? Yeah, so <laughs> Vlad Jr., man, I mean, that's huge. So the, the Blue Jays continue on, that man is strong, and them playing in Dunedin achieving all this. So going over the fence, hey, who's that guy who... Um, the ball hawk, the man who has the, the YouTube. What's his name? Oh, uh, Zach Campbell. Zach Campbell, exactly. Zach Campbell was doing one of his YouTube videos. And folks, if you haven't checked him out, you should. I think it's Z-A-C-K and Hample, H-A-M-P-L-E. Check him out on YouTube. He's a ball hawk. He goes to all the different stadiums and basically has a videographer try have him catching balls either from uh, foul balls and or batting practice or some... Player or coach may pitch him up a ball. Anyway, the whole idea was, coming back to it, he stayed outside of the stadium in Dunedin while the Blue Jays were playing a recent game, and he kept kept catching balls. You know, I think Vlad Jr. hit a couple out of the park that day. That was interesting because he was catching balls not in the ballpark, but outside in Dunedin. Anyway, Vlad Jr., glad to see you kicking it, buddy. And not a whole lot of major league stadiums where you can stand outside the park and get balls, but <laughs> hey, that's the the beauty of sports this time of year. Hey, and you know, last year he did that too in Buffalo for him, didn't he? I believe he did, wasn't he? Like staying on the side of a highway and got in trouble with the cops. Oh yeah, as well he should have. Zach was right beside a very busy highway, and he stayed across the street waiting for him to come all the way there. And he wasn't alone. <laughs> there was a couple other guys doing it too. So people, be careful out there with your, if you're a ball hawk. There's plenty to go around. And he's the kind of guy, too, that he shares. So if he gathers up, if he catches like about seven balls, it's not unusual to see Zach hand out some of these balls to the younger people who are trying to catch them as well. So I'm encouraged by that. Congratulations to both Vlad, to Vlad Jr. and to Zach Hample. Sticking with our home run theme, Ronald Acuna Jr., he hit a home run last night, or Tuesday night. I did it again. Dang, that's good. <laughs> this one was 481 feet. That was the second longest this year behind Yerman Mercedes, who hit one 485 feet. And Acuna's longest home run since he hit one 495 feet last season. 
And that was according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm looking forward to seeing what else he's going to be able to do. You're looking at some players who are very, very exciting, who bring a lot to the game, bring a lot of excitement, and the Braves need some of that. But I'm glad to see they got Acuna Jr. to do just that. Sticking with the excitement, Kiermaier led off last on Tuesday night with the Rays. He led off the game with a triple, but that was not his biggest play. And that came in the top of the sixth when he cut off a Rose Arena and left. And that seemed to cause a bit of a controversy, at least around here in the Bay Area, Mark. Yeah, I did. But, you know, you have to remember, that's Kevin Kiermaier. What I mean by that? Well, first, let me play a little bit what he had to say at the press conference. Yeah, I was just trying to create a spark from the get-go. I was, I was really looking forward to seeing my name up there today. I didn't expect that, but <laughs> I was happy. And I wanted to, to be a spark plug, try to set it off early, you know, triple right out the gate. You know, I was happy with it, just trying to provide energy, a spark any way possible, and it felt good being back there. Well, that's it, Brandon. I mean, here's a guy. He brings a lot of energy to the team. It was like the first time since at least 2019 since Cash had him leading the lineup. There had to be a lot of excitement rushing through Kiermaier. That adrenaline must have been pumping. And there he is getting that triple in the first inning. Bam! You know, I mean, a great deal of confidence. You have to have that kind of confidence to be a three-time Golden Glove winner. He has been fantastic. And Kevin's not afraid to say it either. KK will speak up and tell you his mind about his own success and what he thinks of himself. He is there as part of the team, and he recognizes that. But Kevin also knows how to shine. I mean, you and I both have seen him there. Kevin, sometimes you see him dive or jump or hop, and you think, was that really necessary (laughs) to get that ball? Um, He's a showman, and heck, I enjoy that. But... I did. I, I cringed a little bit. I saw that play. And there it is. It's coming over to left field. There's Acuna Jr. And Kevin has been tracking this ball. And he tracks it all the way right in front of Acuna Jr. And what? Bam. I was I was anticipating a collision. And Acuna Jr. I mean, over. Oh, did I say Acuna? Do I need to start that again? Okay. We can roll with it. That's pretty funny, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, Acuna Jr. I'm sorry. We moved him. Rosarina, did we trade him for Acuna Jr.? I wouldn't mind having him in a Rays uniform. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) Maybe that's why Kiermaier was confused. Maybe he thought it was Acuna Jr. I certainly did. (laughs) Anyway, so he's running over there left field in front of Randy and Rosarina. Lucky boots himself. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I thought he was going to, I thought they were going to collide. Randy had to kind of jump back a bit. If you saw that entire interview that KK did after the game, you know, he said he didn't really hold anything against Randy. For He said, you know, he may have, maybe if he wasn't there, he would have been able to make that pitch in to get Moreland out. But I thought, geez, the crackers, come on, Kevin. Oh, you and I talk about this time and time again because I make the mis- same mistake myself. Like I said, when sales, I always told people I was working with, it was training, I said, no when the hell to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time when you say too much. There's a time when you you should just stop. And I'm afraid that the Kevin exceeded that. So here's what he said as part of that. You know, the the, the discussions we talked about, some of the owners and some of the things they've said in the last year. Here's Kevin's remarks. I thought long and, and hard about this, and, and I, uh, you know, got to 
tread lightly uh, with with my wording on it, but I, I know what it looked like from from everyone else's vantage or uh, you know viewpoint or vantage point, whatever we want to call it. But I'm in a unique position with with what my defensive skill set is, and, and I'll never shy away from that. I, I believe I'm the best defensive outfielder in the game. I put my talents up with with anyone, and I'm very confident in saying that. Okay, here's the thing. When we're listening to this, the one thing we, we notice is that Kevin's saying, I want to measure my world, I want to measure my words carefully here. <laughs> and I'm saying, okay, if that's the case, that goes back to the axiom, shut the hell up. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not an athlete. I don't have any, I never will be, and never have the kind of prowess he does. But in this particular case, Kevin would have done well suited to step back from that. I have no idea what kind of meeting Cash may have had with Kiermaier and or Rosarina. When you have top talent like that, I'm not saying that you give them a pass on something like this, but what do you really say, say to them? I mean, the intensity that Kiermaier was playing with the other night was huge. Without him, they would not have won. Thoughts, criticisms? Oh, yeah, and I didn't get to see the play live. I only caught the last few innings, and... You got to hear my reaction to it live when I first saw it. And my first thought was that was stupid on Kiermaier's part because Rosarena went, what, maybe two, three strides at the most to his left. And he was starting to get momentum to catch the ball and have momentum going towards the plate. Then he has to pull off at the last second because Kiermaier runs over from like 100, 150 feet away and jumps in front of him, carrying him away from the plate. And throws it in. And we honestly, I think we both agreed on, if a Rose Arena can feel that cleanly with momentum, it's either a very close play at home, or he might have even nailed the guy out at home. Because at the time, that was a really big run. It was indeed. And <laughs> I said, I, all is forgiving, KK, but step up, you know, and and take it on the chin. Say that, okay, I, I, I overstepped. Yes, but, uh, you know, KK, you're, you're a great player. We, rec- we recognize that. But every now and then, let some of the other kids play. Isn't that Manfred's thing? Let the kids play. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he's, like, he opens it with, like, I want to measure my words carefully. And then goes on, like, a five, seven-minute ramble. Oh. That's like me telling you, well, Mark, I don't mean to be disrespectful. But, uh, you know, go F yourself, kind of. It's kind of like that. Well, thank you very much, Brandon. <laughs> so now I know how you really feel, bud. <laughs> yeah, people know what we're really like look. over the Zoom call. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, KK, we love you. You know, I mean, this is a guy, we, we, he's been a Ray from day one. You know, they got him back in 2010 in the 31st round of the draft. You know, he's been, like I said, a Golden Glove winner for three, three separate times, and I don't doubt that he'll get it again. But uh, a little humility probably wouldn't hurt. Sometimes you don't find that in a great competitor, but it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, and, you know, this might be a good comparison. This could be a bad comparison. But for as long as we've been doing the show together, we've never really argued or anything. I don't know if it's because either we're laid back or we both know, as you say, know when to shut up or we'll admit when we're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And we've we've done that plenty. I don't know that I've ever admitted that. (laughs) We, we I've been called out on mistakes. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> if you say so. 
So what else you got on the burner? It's not a hot stove, but what's el- what else is cooking out there, brother? Uh, well, I got to find my spot. Um, okay, I found it. This season, Jacob deGrom has more RBIs, two, than earned runs, which is one. And let me preface this, or actually I'll end it saying that's as of the time recording, Wednesday afternoon. And he pitches this evening against the Red Sox, so it could change. It could not change. So I thought that was an impressive stat to throw out there. Absolutely. I'm curious to see how things continue on with the Red Sox, not to bring them up. You know, here they are. They're leading the AL East, I believe, still. So they've they've kind of come out. I, I don't know. I didn't see any of this. I didn't see this coming. I figured they would be third, fourth, at, third at best. I didn't think they would be right up there at the top. I, it's still early, Brandon. I realize that. But cheese <laughs> and crackers. Yeah. So we'll we'll continue to watch that. And kudos to Jacob DeGrom for that. Well, we're on the topic of surprises. How about the Royals? I think they're still like the best record in baseball. And what what is that? Did, did that's another one? Did you see that coming? I didn't. No, I didn't. From what people were telling me, I thought understood the Royals weren't going to be very good this year. It is early, like we have been saying multiple times. Yeah, but it's it's still crazy to look at. Okay, so we are in the wild world of pitchers. Anybody else out there doing anything in pitching? Yeah, Otani. He he became the first player since Babe Ruth to lead the league in home runs and start a game. So another fun fact to throw out there. Otani has just been outstanding. I mean, I, I can't help but watch him on the highlights. Any chance I get to see a game he's playing, I will be there. But my gosh, he's, he's making those angels just look fantastic. I did get that right, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you got the right team. So, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he and Trout, uh, they've they've just, you know, and Madden, Madden's lighting this up. I, I want to see how they go the rest of the year. It's going to be nuts. Yeah, it is. And he's been fun to watch, even though I've only gotten to see him really play once, and that was on Sunday Night Baseball a few weeks ago. But he is really fun to watch. And he's doing this after coming off of Tommy John, too. That's quite an accomplishment. The A's, they were on a hot streak. They came into Sunday winning 13 straight, but unfortunately they ran into the juggernaut Orioles and ended their win streak at 13 as the Orioles beat them 8-1. to one. The Orioles, I mean, again, somebody I didn't see doing much, but I think they actually beat the Yankees earlier this week too, didn't they? Yeah, I believe they, they have the series split so far. At least at the time of recording, it'll be different by the time this is up, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's that's huge. I mean, what are they? Are they the new giant killers coming out of Baltimore? Maybe. They're, maybe they're just a team that they play good against the good teams, but when they play bad teams that are, or teams that are at their level, they just they just can't perform. Maybe maybe that's what they are. I would love to see a great year from Baltimore. You know, not at the cost of what happens with my Rays, but <laughs> I'd still love to see a great year come out of Baltimore. Yeah, I'm always up for some unpredictability. I think it makes it more fun. No doubt. But heading out to the Rockies, where their GM, Jeff Bradich, stepped down. And it was said to be mutual, but we all know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're hanging out with your friends and guy comes up and he's like, yeah, we broke up, but it, it was mutual. We all know that she dumped them. You know, maybe, maybe they let him go by text. You never know. So, well, you know, we, we liked you, but um, <laughs> hey, where do you get a job now? I mean, jeez. Uh, here we are, the beginning of the season. Does he got to wait till the, the winter meetings to find somebody to pick him up? What happens? I guess it's going to be a long season for him, but I'm I'm sure he's not hurting for money. He might be set up pretty well. 
And he'd been with the organization for 17 years. He worked his way up. And when he was GM, they made the postseason in 17 and 18. And he's most famous for signing Nolan Arenado to an eight-year, $260 million deal in 2019. Wow. And then traded him to St. Louis in 21 for saying after he or after Arenado said that he was disappointed in the direction of the organization and he really got nothing back in return. So <sighs> I would have fired him right after that, but oh. that was just me. You you would have fired who? Arenado or Bradich? Bradich. Bradich. You Bradich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, they should have found a way to build some love. They should have brought a, some kind of love counselor in there so that Arenado would have. <laughs> Could have felt it, and Bradish could have felt it, and said, "Oh, we're going to be great now." Jeez, well, okay, he's gone. It was mutual, and <laughs> with that attitude, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I wish him well. We'll see where he lands. If yeah, and and the, some of those came from ESPN. Probably, maybe the biggest, possibly second biggest controversy of the past week. Boom, 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 boom. Comes from the city of Angels, but it's not with the Angels; it's with the Dodgers as they were taking on their newest rival, the Padres, and they accused Fernando Tatis of peeking at the catcher's signals. Now, a video surfaced from a Twitter account asking if Tatis knew that the pitch was coming, with the video showing him moving his head so it could be viewed as him looking at the catcher. I mean, to me, it looked like he could have been just itching his chin. That's possible. I don't know what you you could believe. I, I believe he probably was looking, and, you know... Is that cheating? I, I don't know. But if you've got a guy who's a runner on second base and he's gesturing something that he's seeing, is is that cheating? It's not beating a trash can, mind you. But uh, I don't know. And you talk about peeking. I thought it was kind of funny that Tatis, after he hit a ball off of a bar, he was holding a hand over one eye, talking about visual acuity. And hey, guess <laughs> what? I can run with one eye while you pitch with one eye, making reference to something bar said he did with the Padres during spring training, pitching with one eye open or one eye closed. Yeah, and I'm glad Bauer's pretty cool about it, or he enjoys it, and he even encourages it, encourages it, even though it's poking fun at him. But he also responded to that tweet with, this, with him saying, quote, If you need to know what pitch is coming that badly, just ask Daddy next time at Tatis Jr. You know I ain't scared, homie, end quote. And first of all, I think a grown man referring to himself as daddy is a little bit weird, but I guess you do you. But Tatis responded to Bauer with the tweet, quote, Tranquilo Hito, end quote. And that was my uh, my white guy Spanish as best as I could. Ooh. And that roughly translates to calm down son. And he had a picture of him holding a little kid with Bauer's face photoshopped to it. <laughs> I saw that. That was crazy. <laughs> And Bauer was asked in an interview about all this stuff, and he said, quote, Flip the bat and do all that stuff, fine. If you're going to look at the signs, not fine. End quote. And that came from Bleacher Nation. So that kind of leaves me with a bunch of questions. You know, is Tatis cheating? Is it an unwritten rule? What should be done? Mark, what do you think? I think let the kids play. <laughs> to borrow a phrase, you know, from, from Mr. Manfred. But seriously, I... I think it's uh, probably unsportsmanlike, but in a game that's full of deception, I, I, I don't feel that it's, it's a terrible thing. You know, a pitcher does everything he can to hide what he's going to throw by gloving at 
pitching hand and not letting him see where his fingers are, whether it's going to be a knuckleball, fastball, changeup, whatever. Is it difficult to, for a, you know, he, if he's looking back there at the catcher, he might, miss the, he might miss the ball completely. I don't know. Is it okay to look back and see how the, without looking at the sign, seeing how the catcher is positioning himself? He may not have actually been able to see the sign, but catcher moving a little bit to the left or the right, and what's, what's coming? I don't see it as a problem. I don't think it's a great practice to be doing, but I don't I don't lose a great deal of sleep over it. No, I don't think it's like something to overreact about. I think it's one of those things where, you know, everybody does it to an extent. I think as long as you're not, you know, turning around, actually looking, it's okay because there actually are videos of Dodgers players, you know, sort of doing that in a way. So you might want to be careful if, if you're calling them out, if your own guys do it, but I don't think it's a big deal. I say that, you know, maybe the catcher should do a better job of covering the signals and hiding them so he doesn't see it. And plus, I think it, it kind of magnifies it that Tatis hit a bomb on that pitch. I've also heard, this was a long time ago, I don't remember who said it, but I think from what I understood it as, there are often hitters, or at least they used to, they would listen to the catcher's movement. And that would help them, you know, sort of figure out the location of where the pitch could be. You know, is it going to be away? Is it going to be inside? Maybe high or low? I've even heard that some people do that. I don't know how much we'll do it anymore. But that was just something I thought of. That's pretty crazy. You know, it makes sense. And talking about the the sportsmanlike or unsportsmanlike behavior of Tatis, wasn't it last year, Brandon, that... uh, People asked Jace Tingler to have a conversation with Tatis for, what was it? He was running on a, on a base, or was he stealing a base? you remember this last year? I remember something about that, because I remember that was when we first found out that his name was Jace Tingler, and we all immediately said he should be manager of the year just for his name. And I, even though a lot of us said he should be fired, because I guess Tatis stole a base, but they were like up seven runs. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a very big fan of that. I'll talk to him. Or a lot of people didn't really like that. Yeah, you know, this goes back to unwritten rules because that's what it was. They were saying, okay, you need to speak to Tatis. And <clears throat> pardon me. And on that particular episode, when we brought it up, one of the things we were talking about was the unwritten rules and how most unwritten rules in baseball tend to favor the pitcher. I see that if a batter can get an advantage, take the advantage. Yeah, that, that's one of those things where it's like, in Little League, I could understand, but you're in the majors. You're the best of the best. You're professionals. You're getting paid to do it. Just be better. That That's my take on it. Well, you know, I, I get that, and as much as they're paying Tatis Jr., he should be able to do that. Yeah. But if we have nothing else to say, we can move on to the newest controversy that had the, the sports world fuming, practically. Madison Bumgarner. He threw a no-hitter. Oh, gosh. But he also didn't because it doesn't count because it wasn't a nine-inning game. Even though everything else counts, he got the win, he got credit for a complete game. But because it wasn't nine innings, it doesn't go down as a no-hitter. That's ridiculous. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you're not going to count it as a complete game, and they, they did count it as a complete game, then just write off the freaking books, you know? I understand the necessity 
of putting less stress on players on you know double headers. But <laughs> you know, if you're going to say that it's a seven inning game or second game in a double header, then that's what it is. It's a game. It's a full game. It's a complete game. And anything that happens during that time should be considered. Put a freaking asterisk by it, okay? Put an asterisk by it. You don't have to say, you still say that it was a no-hitter for that game. It was just a seven-inning game. Yeah, it's just either it's something that can stick around or it's something that we could look back in 10, 20 years of saying that's just the way the world was at that time. That's something we needed to do. Like they do it in like every official record book that I've seen, you know, even like Wikipedia and stuff like that. When you see a symbol next to a word, there'll often be something at the bottom, sort of like a key that'll say, hey, this is what this means. And you can put in the record book that the asterisk for this section means that this happened in a seven-inning doubleheader. Yeah, and I I think that works, you know. And Madison Bumgarner, this man's a legend. He's 31 years old. He's got a salary. He's making $19 He's been nominated twice for the Cy Young. He's he's great to watch, okay? I mean, he's looking at what he was the first pitcher in the lab in the live ball era to hit five home runs and strike out two hundred batters in a single season. Here, I want to play something he said after the game the other day. I wanna I wanna say two things, then I'm gonna go celebrate with the guys. I wanna thank these shadows in Atlanta. They helped me out a good bit. That's pretty awesome. And I wanna thank Rob Manfred for making these seven inning games. <laughs> well, well, you can tell you that at least he took the game so seriously. But uh, he, you know, he gives a tip of the head to seven inning to Rob Manford. I'm not sure if that was sarcasm or delight or just appreciative that he didn't have to go anymore. It goes back to I don't think them calling a no hitter or, or otherwise is going to ma- really matter to Madison Bumgarner because he's a guy who enjoys playing the game. And he's a guy that's got some history. You don't, you're not, you don't achieve everything he's achieved, and worry about if somebody wants to officially call it a uh, a no hitter. I mean, but this guy has been fantastic too. He joined the Diamondbacks just recently. He played 11 seasons with the San Francisco Giants. Brandon, I'm looking at what from 2009 to 2019 made a big difference there. Uh, let's see. I mean, he oh and. Even what, last week, he's player of the week, shared that with Garcia and Tatis Jr. And you look at the Diamondbacks. I mean, he's not the only one there. You're looking at pitchers up there every five days. Let's take a look because he's in the when he switched from the Giants to uh, the Diamondbacks. We're talking about moving from one team to another in the National League West. So that must have been a little weird because you're going to be facing your own teammates several times a year if you're in the same division. Yeah, that had to be really weird because... It was sort of like the end of an era for the Giants where, you know, as Bumgarner went through that stretch of four four or five years where he was the best pitcher in baseball by far, and the Dodgers, or not the Dodgers, the Giants were winning every other year, winning the World Series, and a couple years ago, it it wasn't going so well, and they kind of let some pieces go, and Bumgarner was one of them. That had to be sort of bittersweet. It's working out for the Diamondbacks, I don't know, I was... You know, we, we talk about it being early in the season. And the Diamondbacks and the Rockies really dwelling there at the bottom of the National League West. But it is interesting to see that in the National League West, uh, let's see, oh my gosh, four of the five teams are above 500. 
that says a lot about a good competitive group. But uh, the Padres are actually beneath the, the Diamondbacks right now. As of this morning, you see the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks were 12 and 11 and the Padres 13 and 12. So one's 522 and the other one's 520. But the thing of it is, it shows the strength that they have. I'm really, this, I look at these guys like the Royals. The Royals are kind of popped up here right now. I'd be curious to see how, how high up the Diamondbacks go. Will they climb up over the backs of the Padres and the Giants to be right up there with the I mean, I don't think they're going to surpass the Dodgers, okay? But I think they could be a good competitor with them. Yeah, it is, Ken. Because we haven't really expected much from the Diamondbacks in, it seems like, a really, really long time. And, you know, we usually just write them off every year as, you know, being the bottom feeders. But this could just be a hot start. Or it could be something where they're like a sleeper team where they could maybe throw a wrench into some plans. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to see how this, you know, plays out. I know they got some guys injured right now. But if you're looking at a couple of players I always look at is what David Peralta, he's one of them. Uh, who else? Uh, Cole Calhoun, I think. There's been some injuries. I, I want to do, I wanted to do a deeper dive on the Arizona Diamondbacks, but not today. I've already got a lot of the research done, but I want to give a, a, a most of a show just on them because, to me, they're a fascinating team. Yeah, they are, and they have some some former Rays at one point on their team. They have Drupal Cabrera and Stephen Vogt. Even though I don't think he actually played for the Rays at the majors levels, he was at least in the system. But he had a couple of really good years there for the A's. So a pretty decent core there. Yeah, they, they do. And a couple of names I probably should mention too that I like is Cattell Marte and um, uh, Pavin Joe Smith. <laughs> so uh, Marte and Smith both are just, you know, outstanding. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with them the rest of the year. But as long as we're talking about Madison Bumgarner, I was looking something back in 2015 where he, he's a horseman, okay? He likes riding horses. He actually was carrying one of the banners. I don't know if it was a World Series banner or a division banner. Or he carried it around the stadium, but not in the stands, but all the way around the warning track on a horse. So he's riding a horse, and he has the banner with him. <laughs> I, I love that imagery. So the man enjoys being with the horses. I think he's been at some different camps with it, maybe even rodeo. I, I'm not sure. But I love it that uh, it just shows a little bit more color to a player that we don't always get to see. Yeah, and that that's kind of close to home with us because if you don't know, Devin White of the Bucks, one of our linebackers, he loves horses as well. He, I believe he has, has a couple of them. And a couple of days after the Super Bowl, after they held the parade, he went back to the stadium with his horse and he actually did a victory lap around the field with the Lombardi trophy on one of his horses. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Have you ever ridden a horse? Have you ever ridden a horse, Brandon? I actually did. It was at like some Halloween little carnival thing. Yeah. It was, it was kind of cool. Well, I, I tried taking him on, on a, a long ride and because I was doing everything wrong. I'm sitting there on my coxes, man, and that tailbone of mine was just, man, oh my gosh, every little step that, you know, the horse wasn't even galloping. And by the time that was over, I was walking funny. Uh, it, it, it hurt that much for me. <laughs> uh, and I was young, so it couldn't hurt the horse that much. If I got on it today, it'd be different. Horses are kind of part of my blood, too. And growing up in, in Kentucky, and actually specific, specifically Louisville, and there's going to be a little horse race going on there. This weekend, always in the first Saturday of May, 
And I'm sad I'm not going to be there, but one of the most fun things about the Derby is the name names of the horses. And this year we got some doozies too, Brandon. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to give you some names, and you tell me which one you like for your choice. Just going by name, okay? Known Agenda. Like, yeah, like the King. Brooklyn Strong. Keep Me in Mind. Sainthood, Old Bezos, Mandaloon, Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie, Midnight Bourbon, Dynamic One, Helium, Hidden Stash, Essential Quality, Rock Your World, King Fury, Highly Motivated, Super Stock, Soup and Sandwich, and Bourbonic. Give me one. What do you like? Give me a couple. Ooh, I, I like Midnight Bourbon, but I feel like Hot Rod Charlie is just destined just because of his name. But I want to know how uh, Hydra Stash got his name. Is there, <laughs> is there a backstory to that? I, I, I can't. I don't even mention. But I'm looking at the odds right now and see Hidden Stash is fifty to one. Okay. Oh, that doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder if he'll actually make it there to the gate. Uh, essential qualities two to one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty decent. And let's see. Known agenda six to one. Uh, if you, I like Midnight Bourbon too, but I like the being from Kentucky. I like that. I also like Bourbonic. <laughs> <That's>, and, <laughs> and since it's I miss my lunchtime, I'll go with a soup and sandwich at thirty to one. Oh, that yeah, that's better than uh, who were we just talking about? Hidden Stash. Hidden Stash. <laughs> so Hidden Stash. Let's see what what are they? They're fifty to one, but highly motivated is ten to one. Do you have Hot Rod Charlie on there? I didn't have him on mine, but he is oh. eight to one. I mean, I didn't have him as my selection, I should say. <laughs> uh, so I guess if you're looking at favorites, you're looking at known agenda, you're looking at Hot Rod Charlie, essential quality, two to one, and uh, maybe highly motivated and rock your world, five to one. Like I said, there we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, if I'm going just for name only, I probably would have picked essential quality. That's Soup and sandwiches still got me. I'm sorry. <laughs> but th- those are good picks. You know, I've heard those are fine steeds. And a fine steed indeed. So I'll be watching the Derby this week. I know that uh, baseball be there, but forgive me. I know this is the baseball biz show, but I have to have a little fun too and give a salute to my Kentucky heritage. And a three-fingered salute. You know what that three-finger, <laughs> three-fingers of bourbon salute? That's what it is. There we go. I know what the one-finger salute is. Okay, stop that. <laughs> This is a family show, Brandon. Okay, <laughs> cut it out. All right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We've wasted yet enough. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, brother. This is about all I've got right now for baseball. Is there anything else we need to cover besides the horses? Um, I do have a fun fact quick, but Bumgarner and Gallon of the, the Diamondbacks were the first teammates to throw shutouts on the same day since 1977. Woof. Well, he's an amazing pitcher, and, and like I said, I want to do a, a much more uh, deep dive into the Diamondbacks and share a little bit of the history. I'll be reaching out to some of their folks today, and we'll see what we can come up with. That sounds good. All right, Brandon. Well, everybody, I think this is it. If you have nothing else, Brandon? No, I have nothing else. Nothing else it is. Okay, everybody, thanks once again for joining us again here on Baseball Biz. The Baseball Biz, actually. You can find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. 
You can find me at the Baseball Biz on Twitter. And of course, this particular podcast you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Oh my gosh, we're in so many places out there, Podbean, etc. And we love having you here. So thank you once again for joining us today. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to XTech RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>